I think everything we put onto the market matters in a real way. And if I can't do it the way that I have envisioned it in the sense of, of smell with, you know, using all of these ingredients that I want to, to keep clean, then I won't do it, you know, as opposed to being like, Hey guys, just this time, I'm just going to break every rule that I started with just because this is now what's happening in the market. So that's what I hope that people see our authenticity as is that, you know, we really, you know, put our money where our mouth is. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is Rosie Jane Johnston, founder of By Rosie Jane. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yay. Thank you so much for, for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited to talk to you. Um, before we dive into the brand, talk to me about your background as a celebrity makeup artist and yeah. what, what ultimately inspired you to, to start the brand. So I started doing makeup, I, you know, within, I'm a high school dropout. Let's just throw that out right now. Love I dropped that. out of school in like the end of grade 11 and I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. And I was like in drama for, you know, like my junior year, I guess you would call it here, year 11. Uh, and I did the makeup for the, for the school play. And I was like, you know what? I really enjoy doing this. It's sort of random. I would have never thought of it. So when I left school, I went and did a makeup course. And that's how I kind of started in the beauty industry. You know, so it was later for me. I wasn't one of those people who was like, oh my God, everything beauty from like birth. I was like a avid horse rider. I basically didn't wear anything other than the smell of horse manure <laughs> in my late, late teens. <laughs> but so I did that from the age of 19 all the way through, you know, until really beyond starting by Rosie Jane. But it was... I always say this about makeup for me. It was something that I was good at. It wasn't something that I was massively passionate about. So it enabled me to have this, you know, traveling lifestyle. And I, I loved beauty. I think I loved the idea of what beauty could do for people emotionally. But I was, I was, I was, and I was decent at it. Let's say I was a solid makeup artist, but I was definitely no like Kevin Aquan or, or anything like that. Um, so yeah, that was sort of my beginnings into the beauty industry. And then I started by Rosie Jane. I mean, I started business, crazy enough, in like 2003. So I feel like a million years ago. And that was within Color Cosmetics. I'd done this little cheek and lip pot that kind of almost got cult status. But, you know, I was doing lipstick and lip gloss on the cheeks of my clients. And I was like, it looks so great, but it's sticky as 
shit, basically. <laughs> Can I make a better version that does the same thing, doesn't have a shimmer in it, is translucent, is shiny, does all of these wonderful things that it does on the red carpet, but is in a lip gloss. So I did that in like 2003. And so I was doing them, them simultaneously. And it sort of, I think that's where I suddenly realized, oh, I, I know what I want to do. I love you know, creating products. I love business. I love the process of, of bringing something to market and really having a point of view. So I'm going to go off. That's how it started. That's amazing. I'm going to go off on a little bit of a wild tangent here. Yeah. Obviously, I, you know, for anyone listening, you can hear your lovely Australian accent. Um, I lived in Sydney for a year and a half. And something I find really interesting about the uh, like Australian school system is they really encourage their youth to like you say you're a high school dropout and it sounds yeah. so like almost scandalous here, but it, I feel like in Australia, they really encourage you to go to trade school, really like hit the ground running, start yeah. your career earlier. Do you feel like stepping into your career from a younger age really helped with your success or just gave you a different perspective than if you went the conventional route? You know, I do. So I always say this. So I have three children. I have a six-year-old, a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. And it is the American sort of system is you go to school, you start worrying about college in like grade nine and, you know, you get out of school, you take the summer off and then you start college. But yeah, definitely in probably sort of more of the British way, it's like the school and college is not the be all and end all of your success. It's like, find what you want to do. Absolutely trade school, right? Australia is filled with tradesmen. Everyone has got some sort of trade skill. So yeah, I think it was that and also coupled with the fact that I had a very eccentric creative family. So they neither one of my parents were college graduates. So they were, you know, they were successful but not because of of school. So it was sort of the anti-establishment, right, in my household growing up. But I and again, I think in Australia they're very much like, oh, okay, if you drop out of school, it doesn't mean that you're going to be on the pole by the time you're like 21, right? right. Which is what everyone here is like, when I say totally. I'm a high school dropout, they're like, oh my God. And you I know. can still read? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's kind I of know, crazy. It's so interesting how different parts of the world operate and like how people become successful and in different paths and different journeys and what that looks like. So I definitely yeah. want to highlight that because I find that really interesting. Um, you say you loved like product and and business. So what was the original vision for for by Rosie Jane and how has it evolved? So for me, what's so crazy, I think, and one of the things that I actually love is I didn't have a clear cut vision of what by Rosie Jane was going to be. I was really just following a path of of passion and inspiration. So you know, I started out very early, like dabbling, right? So in 2003, I had my first product, which was a cheek and lip balm. And, you know, that winding road of, of ups and downs and craziness that happened sort of led me to fragrance. And I think as an entrepreneur, you, you can't be too rigid. You have to know that there's going to be huge ups, huge downs, challenges. You're going to change directions. You're going to change concepts. And you have to be open to it a little bit because otherwise you get stuck and you never evolve and therefore everything just sort of overtakes you and keeps on moving. 
Speaking of fragrance, how long was the development process to originally launch the brand? How different does it look today? And sort of what draws you to different scents, to different notes and inspirations? Well, so fragrance for me, when I, so I would have never, ever thought of myself as a fragrance person. So I was doing makeup. I had created a fragrance for myself was my like signature calling card is what I, I want people to be like, oh, that makeup artist who smells so good. And then I see that. You got so, the horse manure off of you. Yes, I'm like, you know, because you're so close to people. You're very aware of how your breath is, how your hands smell, how your body smells. It's really a very personal, intimate relationship you have with your hairdresser and your makeup artist. So I created this fragrance that was my, my signature calling card. People, clients, friends were like, oh, it smells so good. Can you make it for me? So I was like, sure, that's, it was, again, it was very much like a side hustle. I didn't ever think that I was going to sell it. It wasn't something that I planned to move into. But then with my little kind of makeup line on the side, which was Rosie Jane Cosmetics at that time, the crash of 2008 hit and it wiped out. We had about, oh, a hundred little tiny boutique stores around that I had cold called. Do you want to carry the, can I send you samples? The crash in 2008 came, it wiped out all of our stores. It was very expensive to produce the product that I was making at the time. I couldn't fill it myself. It was something that had to be manufactured in a, in a warehouse, you know, by like actual fillers because it was a hot pour and complicated formula. And a girlfriend of mine, sort of colleague suggested to me, Hey, have you ever thought of, you know, selling your fragrance? And I was like, no, that sounds insane. So. That's how that kind of started. And when I mixed, which is now Leila Lou, it was me and a girlfriend and a bottle of wine. That's how I came up with the initial, <laughs> that was the initial formula. I didn't know much about fragrance. I knew what I liked. I knew what I didn't like. And I kind of, you know, played around like we all do when you're like, I'm going to make my own personal fragrance. And I just, it sort of unlocked this emotional tie to fragrance. And I didn't even realize that I had until I started playing. So the process for the initial one was, was again, it was this organic kind of experience. I put it into, I hand filled and hand typed labels for about 10 bottles for a girlfriend of mine that owned a store on Larchmont in LA and it sold out in like a week. And she was like, can you make more? And I was like, okay. So I did it. And then maybe a year after that, I was like, Maybe I should really do this. And I, I didn't have any money. I was going to say, were you, were you bootstrapped? I would imagine. Uh, I, this is the craziest story. And I've told this story and everyone cannot believe it. And I feel so sorry for the friend who I tell it about because he is, I'm sure, kicking himself. I asked to borrow $2,000 so that he, from a friend of ours that um, had a little bit of money, not a lot at all. But I was like, if you give me $2,000 to turn this fragrance that is already selling into like proper packaging, I'll give you 20% of my company. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good value. That was it is. It's it ridiculous. He said, no, thank, like literally thank God. It's like one of those situations where you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And at the time, $2,000 sounded like that. that's enough. I can get my first round of stickers. I can buy my first round of bottles. It's enough. And I was thinking like a hundred bottles, right? Like 150 bottles. I wasn't even thinking big picture. but. Because I couldn't afford boxes. I was like, oh, sh I, you know, I don't know. I was like, oh, my God. Okay, maybe if he can lend me that, 
you know, I'll give him a percentage in the company and who, because I, I just wasn't thinking of the size at that point. So anyway, he said no. And I ended up being like, you know what? I'm eco-friendly. I want to be more environmental. We're not going to do boxes. That's it. No more boxes. So we just wrapped, I just printed these little booklets and we would hand wrap them with string. Wow. Uh, as the packaging. That so is so interesting. It's kind of crazy. The brand looks so different now to what it did then. It was also only called Layla Lou. It wasn't called by Rosie Jane because I only had one fragrance and it was called Layla Lou. <laughs> and I was, that was the name. I was like, oh, okay, that's the name of my, my company is Layla Lou. That's a great story. I want to hear how the brand has evolved, but I'm curious if being so financially constrained, for lack of a better way to describe it, because that's, you know, pretty extreme, I guess you could say, from what I typically hear. Do you think that really fueled your success because you just had to make it work? I think, yes. I think you become very scrappy and and willing to do whatever it takes. Like, you know, I hear now people, well, I, like I'll do some, I do mentoring right now for, for you know, startups and, and individual people who are like, how do I get my company off the ground? And I, my advice in, and my, you know, I always say the same thing, which is you have to be willing to, you know, do every aspect. There is no easy road to this success. There just isn't. Even for people who start with $30 million. $10 million. There's no easy road. Makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> it makes it easier, but the, the fundamentals are still there. If you have the money, but you don't have the backbone or the stamina to do it, totally. it's going to fail because the authenticity is not there. The, the heart of the brand is not there. And that's what happened. And we're seeing it happen now, right? Like all of, we've got so many brands on the market, so much going on, but stuff is starting to slip because it's just some concept that was thought up in a test tube that they're like, oh, this seems like a good idea. Here's a bunch of money, but there's no real direction. There's no someone behind it driving it saying, no, 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 this is why I started the company. This is why I'm doing this. Absolutely. So it makes you scrappy and determined, very determined. And, and, you know, it makes you also realize if you really want to do it. Yeah, I bet you questioned that many times over the uh, yeah, Yes, it, you know, I, I don't decade. think that there's a uh, person that starts a company or does anything independently that isn't probably at least once a day thinking, fuck, am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I would well, imagine. You don't mind my swearing. Them. It's my terrible Australian way. No, I I, I love it. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't want to censor anything you you feel or think, so. Be yourself. (laughs) Um, So you launched the brand during a time where, you know, the beauty industry looked vastly different. You know, these like indie brands weren't as celebrated as they are now. So um, launching is one of the first clean fragrances. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the industry and how have you evolved? Well, first and foremost, no one knew what clean was. So when I started doing clean, people were like, by clean, do you mean like natural, like essential oils? And I was like, no, no. We're, you know, a fragrance that doesn't use a bunch of chemicals, you know, a bunch of uh, hormone interrupters, all these. And people were like, oh, okay, cool. Anyway, and then just sort of moved on. They didn't really quite grasp. But now, of course, clean is massive and, you know, makes me so happy that it's really becoming the standard of all beauty. But, yeah, that and this, you know, 
the way that we talk about beauty and the people that are now included within the beauty for me is so exciting. And it was always something that we had really embraced very wholeheartedly, but I love the inclusivity of, of what the market is doing and this support of baby brands. You know, it's no longer is it owned by, you know, L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, you know, all of these big giant conglomerates that end up owning what you think are these tiny brands, but they're really not. It's just a spider web. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely changed a lot. And uh, yeah, I love the championing, of course, of female founders too. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the brand really having this DNA of authenticity, which I, I think at this point, consumers are becoming much smarter. We've seen a lot of you know, even celebrity brands, you know, failing massively. I won't name any. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we're definitely at this inflection point where people really are buying from brands that they believe in, that they're inspired by, also by their founders. So that that's definitely yeah. something really critical these days as well. But how do you think you really continue to showcase that messaging to your customers? And how do you really think they know the authenticity in, in a brand? I mean, I think probably because I'm very much me all the time. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> you know, like we called our body wash, calm the fuck down and wake the fuck up. You know, and our deodorant is Seems very on brand. <laughs> it's very, very me. So, and I think for what I, at least I hope is that people get from by Rosie Jane is that, you know, every product we bring out is very considered, is very thought through. We're not bringing out 40, you know, products a year. We're not like, oh, CBD is trending. Great. Let's bring something with CBD, you know. So I think everything we put onto the market matters in a real way. And if I can't do it the way that I have envisioned it in the sense of, of smell with, you know, using all of these ingredients that I want to, to keep clean, then I won't do it, you know, as opposed to. Being like, hey, guys, just this time, I'm just going to break every rule that I started with just because this is now what's happening in the market. So, I mean, I that's what I hope that people see our authenticity as is that, you know, we really, you know, put our money where our mouth is. You know, we're, we're environmentally aware. We're extremely cautious when we can be, but we also have, or at least, and it, again, it tied probably back to me a little bit, like a casualness about it. You know, I I want to be eco-friendly. I want to do everything I possibly can to save the planet. But I also realize that we're human beings living on life and just our pure existence creates waste. So I don't want to take make people feel horrible about their choices. I just would like to give them a better option. That's kind of my my whole take on beauty and and by Rosie Jane and make it smell really, really good. <laughs> Very important. How do you balance that? aspect of sustainability. I've been hearing that from a lot of brands lately that it's sort of to make it as, you know, not only sustainable and, and good for the environment, but also practical and cost effective. I would imagine getting that sweet spot is quite challenging. So how do you go about thinking that or what's your thought process? Yeah. I mean, you know, for us, I try again, like we package everything in glass. You know, we really don't use uh, single use plastics. So what I try and do is the way that I would also run kind of my household, which is everything that is achievable with where I am now, I'm going to do. And I'm going to constantly be pushing to get further. But 
I also have to realize that there are limitations to manufacturing, to cost, to all these things. Yes, could I bring out something is, you know, so environmentally, like we wanted to do these beautiful paper bottles, right, which you, they're starting to do in laundry detergent, but the minimums are like 3 million units. And I was like, well, okay, well, I can't do that, <laughs> but I can do glass, right? Infinitely recyclable. It breaks down in nature naturally. If it falls into the ocean, it's going to dissolve eventually. But, you know, I think you have to, and also, again, it makes you look at the products that you're bringing out. It's like, okay, when I'm bringing out a fragrance, I'm like, am I, what's, what am I saying with this? Do I have something to say? I don't want to just bring out something because I'm like, oh, we need a new product. If, you know, I try not to just oversaturate not only our lineup, but the market itself. Yeah, I think that I think that's great. As a brand marketing or e-commerce leader, your focus should be on profitable growth in 2023. The best way to do that is by doubling down on your existing customers and your community. During the last few years, Lifecycle and CRM has fallen on the back burner. As a result, many brands are missing out on key revenue because their programs are not optimized. At Wavebreak, after years of analyzing data and working across a highly diverse client portfolio, we found that most brands are primarily lacking in their segmentation and creative strategy. By scaling your segmentation, you can send more personalized campaigns and ultimately drive more revenue. And by optimizing your creative, your campaigns not only look better and more on brand, they convert better. As a full-service email and CRM agency, this is our core focus and how we help leading brands scale revenue by up to 318%. If you want to learn more, go to wavebreak.co. The link will be in the show notes below. Now back to this episode. As the brand has gained traction, what were some of your biggest wins that really you felt like it was an inflection point where the brand really started to gain traction and awareness? I mean, it probably, out of all of them, it was Sephora, launching in Sephora. I mean, they were just so instrumental in the exposure and the the idea of what clean means as well. But, you know, there were definitely like milestones all the way. You know, there was... Always there's been like these little nuggets of like, ooh, okay, that person's paying attention. You know, like our, my very first like holy shit moment was, and I'm probably dating myself because it doesn't really exist anymore, was we got a like a pop-up, like a trunk show in Henry Bendel. But this is way back when, when you would line up out the door to show your goods to the incredible buyer there. And you would be like, hey, song and dance, you know, but I was in Australia and I would call, I would say up until like two o'clock in the morning, call. And if I got the voicemail, I wouldn't leave a message. I'd hang up and then I'd call again until I got someone on the phone. And I was like, oh, hi, I'm blah, 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 give my spiel. I'm Rosie. They were like, great. Can you send samples? It, I must have, it took me, I want to say almost a year and I finally got it. And it, that was like the greatest brand or product acknowledgement you could get in the early 2000s right or yeah it was like yeah yeah early 2000s right I'm like and it was so there was that so there were these little tiny things that kind of came along the way that sort of let me think okay you know what you're doing something right just keep pounding even though I wasn't making any money 
and I was literally pounding the pavement, making every call, packing every order, packing every sample. You know, it was me and I had uh, our amazing nanny. She would just come two days a week so that I could do more, like do more Ruthie Jane stuff. And then when Layla, this was our first, was sleeping, Anna would help me pack all the orders. And now she's our warehouse manager. Oh, wow. That's great. I, I know. It's so crazy. She, that's oh, that's awesome. You know, she runs a team of like nine in the warehouse and it was her and I like folding, packing, folding, packing. That's um, amazing. You know, it was those kind of moments. And then also taking space, right? Like that was a big moment for me. We ran by Rosie Jane out of my house, out of our tiny apartment in, um, in Los Feliz for oh my gosh the for the entirety of it until i want to say like 2000 and god 12 2013 like we were like there from 2003 all the way up till yeah god maybe even 2016 were there any that was like a oh my god and by the way we had a storage unit that was our first move Wow. So were there any moments where you were like, you really thought about giving up or you just knew ultimately 100% this was your passion project and it was going to work out? You know, it's so crazy. I, I don't think I ever thought of giving up or stopping because I just, I love the process of business so much and I love creating products so much and just really that whole process of concept to idea, you know, pulling it together. I'd been doing it for so long. It just never occurred to me to be like, nah, I'm throwing in the towel. But it made me pivot, you know, and think, okay, something's got to change here. How am I going to jump to this level? And just, and I think that that's what entrepreneurialism is about, is being (laughs) open to new opportunities and new, you know, I would have never gone from, naturally gone from cosmetics to fragrance, but someone suggested it to me and I was like, okay, you know, let me, let me see, let me try this out. And as I said, it just opened up a world to me that, you know, now I'm a perfumer, which is so random. (laughs) You know, I mix and create all the fragrances for Rosie Jane. So it's, yeah, it's It is random, but you, you, that obviously was what you were drawn to, given the fact that you already had your signature scent, you know, back yes. in those early yeah. days. So um, yeah, it's it, wonderful it, it, when it, friends give you uh, or colleagues or acquaintances give you advice that really, you know, is life changing. Um, yeah. So that's incredible. Yeah. Obviously, the entire industry beyond beauty, but also from a marketing standpoint, has vastly changed since the early 2000s. So it sort of sounds like to me the brand really um, was a, a really a retail brand, obviously in the in the beginning, I would imagine. One hundred percent, we were set up for wholesale only. So that's really interesting to me. So when was the moment where you launched D 2 C, and does the business look pretty split to this day? Yeah. So again, this is something that I did not want to do. I did not want to do like selling online when it first sort of started to become a thing. This so it must have been. 2000, what are we now? Yeah, 2015, I want to say. Was definitely, yeah, it would have been 2015, 2014, 2015, right? It wasn't like not, brands did not sell direct to consumer 
if they were in store. And so we had a website where you could find out about Buy Rosie Jane. It was very basic. But my initial thought was, no, 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 I don't want to sell on uh, .com because I don't want to take away from our retailers. You know, I think that that would piss them off. I don't know if I want to do it. So I had this wonderful uh, girl called Elkie come work for me. She was an Aussie. She worked for a big company in Australia and her boyfriend was a musician, so they moved to LA. And I just knew her from talking to that retailer. And I was like, well, do you want to come like be like a, like a junior, whatever, just come or whatever. You're just like a call for me. I'll figure out. I don't even know I'm going to pay you. I love your retention strategy. (laughs) You have really great um, team members that stay in very interesting ways. (laughs) I have never heard before, but I think that's brilliant. Oh, my gosh. So she came and really she had a lot more experience, like at that point, I think, in like retail. And she was the one that was like, okay, Rosie, we've got to, to do an online store. And I was like, okay, but I feel, I'm worried that the retailers that we're in and we were in like anthropology and stuff at this point. I was like, they're going to be annoyed. And she was like, you got to do it. So she built out the first store that we ever had. And we were doing like, yeah, I don't know, like five orders a week. It was, we would be like, oh my God, we got 10 orders. <laughs> it was wild. Um, so she really kind of spearheaded that for us. And she ended up going back to Australia and now she has a beautiful baby. And I'm like, damn you, come back. But it has changed so, so much. And really, um, .com has become a 50%, a half-half focus for us. Only I'm going to even say in the last maybe five years, three, three to five years, somewhere around there, because the market is changing and that's where people are heading, right? So you, and, but you have to have both. I feel like it's very hard to survive on just one avenue. Absolutely. Do you think being omni-channel and really having such a significant wholesale business is really part of your success as well? 100%. You know, we, so Sephora was in 2018 which was a game changer for us. But Did you have to call that, them every day too? <laughs> say that again? Did you have to call them every day and hunt them? No. Okay. So Bora approached me and okay. I was like, is this a joke? I was like, I'm being scammed. <laughs> yeah. It's like I got an email like, hey, we're looking into doing clean fragrance. Would you send Rosie Jane in to be considered? And I was like, um, yes, of course. <laughs> I still remember the day I got the, the email that said, yay, we've decided to move forward with the brand. I was That's awake so at like awesome. the brand because I was doing a makeup job. And they in when you do makeup for a celebrity and they're promoting a movie, you do these heinously early calls where they sit in a studio and they're going live like to New York or all over the country. So you start at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like sitting there in the car waiting to go in. And I saw the email in my inbox and I was like, open it. Oh shit. Do I want to go in and be sad? Cause they're going to be like, thanks so much. Maybe we'll reach out, you know, next year. But I was like, Oh, I'm going to open it. And I opened it and it was like, we would like to congratulate you. And so you and put I your job the I, next day. <laughs> like, Oh my God. And I did, I continued to do makeup for like another two years or a year. Oh, and wow. But yeah, it was, it was one of those crazy moments. But going back to it, yes, before Sephora, we had about 150 
independent curated stores all throughout the country. And we still have these stores. We still really nurture our mum and pup stores because I think that they are such an important part of the success of By Rosie Jane. You know, people still shop very much in their local communities. There's, you know, so many incredible little pockets of the United States that there isn't a mall, there isn't a Sephora, there isn't a, you know, anything except their one little kind of local marketplace and they find it there and they support their local market and then they also buy online, right? So it, I, yes, brick and mortar is, is absolutely part of our DNA. I wouldn't hate to think that it would ever go away. Yeah, I think that's a great, great strategy. And honestly, it just seems like it's on brand for the brand as well. I just feel like being in those types of stores just seems like the right alignment yeah. anyway. And we're uh, old school, you know, we're... Yeah. Me a dial-up phone, I'll know I'm happy. <laughs> I heard someone recently say that they hate being asked, you know, how do you balance work life being a a mom and a wife? And I, I sort of like, I was like, that's really interesting that someone hates to be asked that. But I will say, how did you balance building the brand, working as a celebrity makeup artist, right, which I imagine was quite demanding as well, not sleeping, and then balancing some sort of personal life, family life as well. How yes. did you do that? Oh, God, you know, I don't really know. I, I kind of, <laughs> I imagine that it would be like when people, you know, like survive some, like they like get lost hiking and they're like, I survived <laughs> like, like three days in the wilderness. And they're like, how did you do it? And you're like, I mean, literally it was just, I sort of went on to autopilot and you just burn forward. I mean, you know, and it's like, it's not really like I did it all by myself, you know, my, partner Chad is, you know, pretty supportive in all of that. I had Anna who would come in, but I think it's just a level of, of how badly you want it. And there are sacrifices that you make and mainly your sacrifice is personal time, I found, because I never, I wasn't that parent, or at least I'm still not that parent that works like 16 hour days and I'm not home until after dinner. I the wonderful thing about owning your own business is that I can do my make my schedule like I need it. So, you know, you do work late because after the kids are asleep and that's when I do like another, you know, two or three hours of work. But yeah, I don't know. If it, it all got dumped on you at one time, I don't think anyone would be able to do it. But it incrementally grows up. You know, when I started I only had one child. Now I have three. But yeah, it's definitely a lot. <laughs> I bet. You mentioned, you know, the highs and lows of the entrepreneurial journey. Um, so let's talk about maybe some of those lows or or things in retrospect you probably would have done differently. What were some of those key moments where, I mean, I don't want to say like mistake, but perhaps you would yeah, have done something know, I, differently or you just, you know, you you so learned from experience. Yeah, because what's, and I don't even, it doesn't, I don't want to even sound so like spiritual and profound and like, oh my God, this is the way that it is. But in all honesty, when I look back, there isn't much that I would change because every shitty experience, every like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened, has really led me to something that I would not have normally done had that not failed or had that bad thing happen and not that you want the bad things to happen but 
in business, you know, there really is, you know, just it's all lessons all the way along. And actually, I think what probably stopped us from making too many catastrophic ones is that we didn't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't go really deep on something and be like, oh, shit, I just blew a million dollars. You know, it was so, you know, I think, yeah, there isn't anything that I wish that I had have done differently. You know, we, we, it's been kind of an interesting ride, but there's definitely been mistakes, you know, like we've overboard into something or, or more manufacturing mistakes than, you know, I still have like some old pots that we bought into that I'm like, I don't know what to do with these damn things. I have like 10,000 of them and they have my oh, logo wow. them, but I don't, they're just sitting on the shelf. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to use them one day. I know I am. I'm going to make something that goes in there. I just can't handle the waste of it all. Well, maybe that'll be your, your next product. Um, That's it. It's like <laughs> you just hold on to or Everyone is like, gosh, why is Rosie putting perfume in random little pots? Now you'll know from here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll find use for it. Uh, yes. But yeah, if- I hate to say it like that because, you know, I know that there have been mistakes along the way, but nothing that's literally been like, oh, my God, I can't believe I, like, I wish that, that had never happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, gosh. Probably to exhale, take a breath more often than, uh, you know, and celebrate the wins more and for longer, I think. You know, and I'm probably, I'm sure most, a lot of business owners go through this. You get these incredible wins and, you're like, oh my God, that was amazing for literally maybe 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, shit. Okay. Let me think how I'm going to now pull this off and how am I going to outdo myself again? So yeah, I think probably, probably that, um, to, yeah, take joy more in the, in the process. Yeah. Although sometimes that is easier said than done, but it is, you know, you really have to, to, take stock. And I try and I really try and do this at least once a week where I sort of, you know, I have this quote stuck on my wall or I have a mood board, but that says, you know, I remember when I wish for the things that I have now. And I have it there to remind me, I have that and a quote by Hagrid. They're my two big ones, which is what's coming will come and we'll meet it when it does. But that I sort of have to remind myself, okay, look at what you are. Like even if it all ended tomorrow, look at where you have grown this business to. And really on like um you know by myself. You know, I am founder and CEO and and I have this incredible small but mighty team, but yeah, it's been really just rolling a boulder up a hill very slowly, I'm sure. You know, Watching brands launch at the same time as me, you know, catapult to massive success. And then I'm like, oh, shit, why did I do that? Why haven't I done it? But we've been able to just keep building and mainly because of our incredible um, community base of by Rosie Jane fans. Yeah, that's amazing. You mentioned your team. It's I'm sure it's small and mighty. What does your yeah, team look it like? Is. 
what was your what does your team look like and what who was potentially like your your most key hire so i mean i'm gonna say we are now in the way uh, so we manufacture fuel package ship every single by rosie jane product we have a warehouse and our office is attached to it in la anna is our warehouse manager and she of course was started as nanny she's probably i'm gonna say honestly probably our most important employee she is my ride or die in every possible way but i think as we grew I have these, because we don't have this huge amount of funding, I work with these amazing consultants and they have been so strategic and helped me kind of, you know, I have the idea, I have, I know where I want to get to, but, you know, I didn't go to business school and I am really self-taught everything. So they look at the numbers, they help me kind of break stuff down in a way that I just couldn't do alone. But yeah, I have uh, four full-time, no, three full-time people. I'm the fourth. In the <laughs> You're office. definitely the fourth. <laughs> yes, I'm the fourth um, in the office. And then we have three exterior consultants. And then in the warehouse, we are eight or nine of filling, packing, uh, mixing, doing all of that kind of stuff. What marketing channel has been most effective for you over the course of the last year? You know, uh, I mean, Instagram is, of course, amazing and you you got your paid social and all those things. But you know what's interesting to me? I think it ties back again to a little bit more analog, bit more old school. It's still digital, but we have always had PR on and off when we have wanted to launch a product or anything like that. For the first time, I have the most amazing publicist and I, I kept her on year round. I was like, okay, you know what? Let's just do this year. And this last 12 months, we've had great growth over the last three years, but this last 12 months has been so amazing because we've really kind of gotten such incredible press and just constant, not like Rosie's going to like change the world or here's a brand new product. It's just this kind of ongoing, like always being talked about, great products, blah, 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 blah great fragrance. That for us, I think, has really moved the needle a lot. Um, just that marketing strategy of being consistent and and old school and and sampling. You know, we really lean into as much try products that you can get. We have this great discovery set, and that we were one of the first people to ever do a discovery set. We gave we used to give it like when we very first started a million years ago. You, when you signed up for our mail, you would get a free sample of one of our fragrances. And we only had like three fragrances. <laughs> but that marketing tool has been an incredible brand awareness tool for us as well. Yeah, I bet. For my final question, what's yeah. next for you and for By Rosie Jane? So what next for me is 35 people coming to my house for Christmas. Uh, so I'll be drinking a lot. <laughs> um, but, you know, I am, you know, we brought out this fragrance, Dulce, uh, just in the fall, and it was really about nostalgia for me, this fragrance. And I am really kind of heavily invested in the idea of, like, I love essential oils and what they do and that they're so therapeutic. 
they're not great in fine fragrance, like a wearable fragrance as essential oil. So my that's where I'm like immersed in this idea of a therapeutic perfume that really brings on some sort of like moment of calm or uh, you know, a moment of 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 awakening or whatever it is that they calm the fuck down. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And bodies. Dude, I am and personal care products, you know, for me with virus, I should bathe in that. <laughs> I want it to be everywhere, and I want clean to just be the standard. I want it to be available everywhere. I want you to, you know, have beautiful products to choose from in every in every store, Target, you know, JC Penny, you know, everywhere. That it's not something that you have to seek out as a consumer. It's just there and they're getting rid of all of the shit in these products that they just don't need to have yeah i mean there's been a huge traction with that but it's exciting to see the future um how that just continues so thank you so much for joining me today it was so wonderful speaking with you for anyone who wants to find out more information on yourself and by rosie jane where can i direct them uh you can go to our website by or of course instagram by rosie jane all our tags for social media are by rosie jane thank you so much Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.